Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share Home Threads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to HomeThreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Dinner and I Just Feed You, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. HomeThreads, love where you live. That's HomeThreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. This episode is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. As a resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too. Go to Whole Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. And stock up on Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat pita pockets, and if you're over 21, wines from Spain, Greece, and Italy. Grab your ingredients and experiment with family-friendly Mediterranean cuisine today. Think Greek-style ground lamb pitas, lemony oven-roasted chicken, or bronzino, or instant pot short ribs braised in wine. All simple and delicious. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Megan, a lot has changed since my boys started solids, but one thing hasn't. Parents are always looking for delicious options that deliver the most nutrition as affordably as possible. We all want what's best for our kids. Which is why we're so thrilled to share Amara Organic Foods. Their baby foods deliver all of the taste, textures, and nutrients of fresh purees with the convenience of an on-the-go powder. Yes, powder! Amara is a small company making big changes in the baby food space. When founder Jessica realized that by removing the water content from fresh foods, she could retain all of their nutrients and flavor without having to boil them to death, she partnered with an infant nutritionist to turn these super powders into a less processed, more affordable baby food option. You just add water, breast milk, or formula to your Amara baby food powder, mix, and serve. This allows you to customize the texture of your baby's meal, which is ready in seconds. All of this and Amara is 100% organic, non-GMO, and plant-based without any added preservatives or sugars. In fact, Amara has 50% less natural sugar than leading brands and still costs less than $2 a meal. It's no wonder that Amara was voted best baby food by The Bump, good housekeeping, and what to expect. Learn more at amaraorganicfoods.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y and get 25% off their online shop using our exclusive code FEEDU25. That's FEEDU25 for 25% off any purchase at amaraorganicfoods.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short, or didn't I just feed you? Do your research before you go to the shop. The best recommendation that I can give is to go to a whole animal shop. 
because they're going to have a lot of sort of offcuts that are going to be less expensive than a butcher shop that is just buying in, you know, cases and cases of like hanger steaks. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids. Hi, I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. Today we're going to be talking about meat all the meats with a pro butcher. But before we dive into that, this is your weekly reminder that we have the best community on the internet and we'd love for you to join us. You guys, that community that we love so much is free and absolutely anyone can join with just an email address. And then there's also a supporting membership group. It gives you access to more recipe ideas, private Q and A's with us, exclusive episodes every month, two of them, and a quarterly cocktail hour with a huge giveaway. That is called our supporting membership. Yes. Also, fringe benefit that comes up in this week's episode, if you're in our community, whether you're in the free or the supporting membership, you get a preview of what's coming up and you get to ask your questions. So you guys, if you can't join our community or become a supporting member right now, that is okay. You can always support Didn't I Just Feed You by leaving a rating or a review. Or you know what? Just by listening. We love when you listen. That's okay too. We just want to give you all the options. And for those of you who opt in for more, we really appreciate it. Uh, I would also, I'm going to start adding, if you want to support us and it can't be financially, share this episode with a friend. Yeah, you're really into the share with a friend. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Listen, friend, I've got to tell the people you you love, you love them. With didn't I just feed you? Didn't I just feed you? (laughs) You're welcome. I gave you Stacey and Megan. You're Uh, welcome. (laughs) The best gift that's free. Actually, this episode feels like the best gift that's free. So I don't know, was this a listener request? I feel like it was at some point. It took a while to find the exact right person to come on, but I feel like we nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This is the interesting thing. Like we've talked about ground meat as a whole episode. We've done a whole episode on chicken, but we haven't really done a good job of being like, cause we, we offer, this is the thing that bubbles up, right? As food editors, we offer this advice like, oh, if you can't find it, talk to your butcher. Uh, But then we're not like, hey, this is how you like find a butcher and here's how you develop a relationship with a butcher. And this is like what your butcher wants you to know. So we talk a lot about like relationship with butcher, but then there's also like practical advice for just like buying and eating and cooking meat in general. I also want to acknowledge that both of us, we talk about budget, we talk about sustainability in a sort of parallel way. We don't claim to be experts. We're just two busy working moms doing our best. But we have said on several occasions that we have the privilege and make the choice to go for, to opt for more expensive meat that comes from sources we know and trust and just to use it less. And that's how we make it work in our budget. And we've kind of said this offhandedly, and I'm glad that we're kind of delving into it more and talking to a butcher so that people can really understand what that means and how that can look in their life if it's something they're considering. Yes. And it's not just like, oh, meatless Monday. It's not just like vegetarian 
more times a week for people who love me and like sustainable farming, there is a, there can be a happy medium. Yeah. It's also not just like, I'll trick my family with beyond meat burgers because they bleed because I mean, really like that with you, that's a totally like valid choice, but like that is also expensive and that also has issues of access related to it. So you know, there's no, as we always say across all things, feeding your family, there's no single correct answer. All the options are valid and you have to make the decision that's right for you. I'm just glad that we're delving into this because you and I have revealed that this is the way we eat meat. And then we've never really like talked like, in depth here, about it. We do it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do we have to put any like disclaimer for anyone who's vegetarian or vegan who listens that we do talk about animal butchery here. And also a reminder that we have a series we did last year. What year is it? Where we had a lot of vegetarian no and vegan guests. So like, if you need to skip this week's episode, we'll put a bunch of links in the show notes to those episodes so you can enjoy some other perspectives. I think we should get into it. Do it. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Because Cara is amazing. Cara Nicoletti is a fourth generation butcher, recipe developer, author of the literary cookbook, Voracious, and host of the Vice Munchie series, The Hangover Show, and Open Fire. Cara grew up working at her family's butcher shop outside of Boston and is the first woman in her family to take up the trade. Becoming a butcher wasn't always in Cara's plan, but after working in restaurants through college, she made her way back to butchery and immediately gravitated toward sausage. Why? It was her way of getting customers to eat less meat. Seymour Meats and Veggies is the result of Cara's 10 plus year journey to make meat eating sustainable and really fun. Welcome to the show, Cara. Car, we're going to start with a listener submitted question because I think this is kind of like sets the stage. So one of our listeners asked, she says, I would appreciate some guidance on how a newbie should approach a butcher shop. Any first timer tips, advice on less expensive cuts, which I know is something that Megan and I are also really interested in and how to prepare them. Basically, she's wondering how to get the best bang for her buck. Sure. That's a great question. I would say, do your research before you go to the shop. The best recommendation that I can give is to go to a whole animal shop because they're going to have a lot of sort of off cuts that are going to be less expensive than a butcher shop that is just buying in, you know, cases and cases of like hanger steaks and all of that. So you're going to be able to get even, even a whole chicken like instead of the parts makes a difference in terms of how much you're spending. Um, it might be like a little bit more upfront, but then you can eat that chicken throughout the week, use all of its parts in different dishes throughout the week. So I would say go to a whole animal shop, get large pieces that are bone in because then you can also use the bones for a different dish like stocks and soups and stuff um, or beans. But I would say the, the best place to start is whole animal shops and big cuts. Is that pretty easy to discern now? Like you can go to someone's website or their Instagram or, you know, whatever their Google profile yeah. to find out if they're a whole animal butcher? Yeah, I think it, it's so much more available than it used to be. Um, and the thing that's great is that if there isn't one in your area, there's a lot of options online that you can buy now um, and get shipped. Um, there's a website called, I think, Eat Wild, and you can plug in your location and then it will sort of tell you 
a bunch of local farms or like farmers markets or whatever, whole animal shops in your area. That being said, sometimes those shops are really boutique and more expensive in general, but they're going to have the sort of like off cuts um, that they need to move through that you'll be able to get more easily. But in terms of like, I just want to say like, in terms of like a newbie approaching a butcher shop, I think that's a really like great question because I noticed so much in my career that people were so nervous about approaching the butcher counter. Um, And it was one of the reasons that I liked generally being the only woman in the shop because I think especially women felt nervous coming up to the counter um, asking questions about meat. They didn't want to look stupid. They didn't, you know, like want to make a fool of themselves. And butchers can be gruff and sort of scary. So uh, I always really liked that part of my job, just being able to answer those questions and make them feel more comfortable. But I would just say, like, screw that. Just ask your questions. Yeah. We've been asked everything. I literally was asked once if I had a boneless chicken carcass. Like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I don't mean to laugh at that person because it's true. And And I said, no, like, no. And she was like, okay, then no. And I was like, what? Like, what what are you actually getting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Because she had a real question. She had a question. So we, we, it was years ago. I don't remember what the conclusion was that we came to, but um, no question is too stupid. We've heard totally every question. Yeah. And it's really interesting to me, this like dynamic that still exists in food. People talk about it with restaurants where, you know, when you represent in the media, the family cook or the person cooking at home, it's so often a woman, but then in restaurants, chefs are men. And then this other like little enclave where that's still true is the butcher shop and the butcher shops cater to home cooks who are typically thought of as women. It's a very interesting dynamic because it, it, it can be intimidating. Yeah. And I don't think that it used to be that way. Like I, I watched my grandpa very carefully yeah. growing up um, the way that he treated his customers. And I don't know when it changed. I don't know if like maybe the like rebirth of sort of the whole animal butcher rock star thing that happened yes. in like, the early 2000s kind of set off a different tone. But I mean, really what we're doing as butchers is like helping people feed their families, which is a very kind and friendly thing um, and should not be like an intimidating thing to guide someone through. So um, that's something that I always took very seriously when I was in shops. I love and appreciate that because even being a culinary intern years ago and having to go shop for like big pieces of like animal for TV show, I would get so intimidated and like nervous to ask and like look dumb. Uh, But I, so I started to like talk myself through being like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Like, it's not, I have never been like yelled at by a butcher Mm -hmm. or anything like that. I do think it's really helpful to like go in either with a recipe that you intend to make or like an idea of the things that your family likes to eat or that Mm -hmm. you would like to cook. Cause then you can say like, oh, well, if you don't have that boneless chicken carcass, (laughs) (laughs) what can I buy to make this recipe that my family loves? That's a great point. It's really important to go in with an idea of what you want and to be flexible about, especially if you're shopping at whole animal shops, because in that case, there's maybe one of a couple cuts um, and they go really fast. So lean on your butcher to tell you like if that that isn't in the shop, what can replace it? Because that's literally their job to tell you like what's similar, what's going to cook the same way. 
I think there's also this tension between wanting to save money, but then being intimidated by offcuts and also bigger pieces and pieces with bones because yep. people then are like, I know. I know that's more affordable, but then what do I do? Like, how do I get it off the bone? Like, I didn't imagine cooking something on the bone. So, so can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I would say in general, bone in is less per pound because you're paying for the bone. But something you can ask of your butcher, like if I, and this is maybe specific to me and the shops that I worked at, but if someone asked me for a whole chicken and asked for it cut up, I still only charge them for a whole chicken. I wasn't charging mm-hmm. them for like the chicken breasts, the legs, like it was still, I weighed the whole chicken and then I cut it up and there was no extra charge. So as opposed to like, if you were to buy two chicken breasts, two leg and thighs, Mm -hmm. some wings, that's going to add up a lot. So like, don't be afraid or intimidated to ask them to do the work for you. Like, especially if they have a bandsaw, if you want a huge rib plate and you want it cut into little rib sections to make short ribs, ask them to do that and ask them to weigh it out for you whole and then just cut it. As long as they're not, the only, the only time they upcharge is when they're losing something like, or you're giving them something that they then have to sell. If you're taking the whole piece and getting it cut, they shouldn't upcharge you for just cutting it. That's such a great point. And I'm glad you mentioned the like bandsaw, because I think (laughs) sometimes there are like a handful of things that people don't realize they need special equipment Mm -hmm. for. So they might go in and buy that whole plate. And then it's like, you can't even fit it. No, there's nothing you're not going to, your saw at home is not going to work. So what are some of the other things that people can ask for besides like having the chicken broken down for them or ribs cut? Yeah, I would say any like even if you wanted to buy a pork loin and have it cut into chops, ask like ask them for the whole loin, ask them to weigh that loin out like a bone and loin. It's probably going to be less expensive per pound than individual chops. And then just say like, I want to buy this whole loin and can you cut it into like one and a quarter inch chops? Um, but just charge me for the loin. And they should be open to doing that you know, and, and think certain times of the year, like if it's really busy at Christmas and you're going in and you're asking for something super complicated, cut a million different ways, they might be jerks about it and they might upcharge you, but like for the most part, buy the whole piece. So do, do a little research or you can ask them, like, if you want a rack of lamb, um, but you want to cook it into individual chops, buy the whole rack. It's going to be less expensive than the individual chops. Ask them to cut the chops for you anything like that. Um, shank meat. So you can make asabuco. They should just charge you for the shank. They shouldn't charge you for the individual asabuco cuts. But those are things that you definitely need to ask a butcher to do for you. You can't do that. Yes. At home. <laughs> yes. I've also asked my butcher to show me. I'll be like, mm-hmm. you know, like, just show me where I should cut it. Like, mm-hmm. or just like orient me. Yeah. And that also empowers you if you're interested and mm-hmm. you feel like you have the time and you're curious to go home and do it yourself. Yeah. And chicken is a great place to start because the bones are so soft that um, you can cut through them with a knife. You don't need any kind of special equipment or saw. So if you're interested in breaking down a whole animal yourself, just do a chicken a million times and it will kind of orient you. I mean, chickens are obviously two-legged animals, but all four-legged animals are the same. Um, their anatomy is the same. So once you know how to do one, uh, you can do any of them. So usually you start with a lamb because it's the smallest and then everything's kind of the same from there. 
So, so much of this to me, like Stacey's experience, your experience on the other side of the counter, sounds like relationship building. Is that true? Is that sometimes as a butcher, like annoying? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, we want the truth. We want to know. I mean, yeah. I, I think that there have been times where definitely like I've had customers who want to chat a little too much when it's busy. <laughs> And that's just like, like that would be me. But that's not even like, I'm sure you have normal boundaries where you're like, oh, there's a huge line of people behind yes. me and she's the only one behind the counter. I'm not going to tell her about my breakup right now. I'm going <laughs> to like keep it moving. Yes. Um, but in general, no, I mean, I, I really liked that aspect of, of working in shops because I really like helping people eat. Um, I also was going to recommend that if people have the ability to go on off hours, mm -hmm. like if you're intimidated or you have a lot of questions, yes, that's a good time to go. Because I mean, even if you have one question, but you feel really embarrassed and intimidated, yeah. like the shop's emptier. Don't, so, and don't go, you know, five minutes before close. Just yes. don't in general do that. <laughs> yes. Unless you're literally like, hand me that chicken from the case. Because um, one little like insider thing is just that butcher shops take such a long time to clean at the end of the day and the yeah. saws usually break down and it takes like an hour to clean so if you're coming looking for something bandsaw cut it come at least at least an hour before close um or they're gonna probably give you an attitude <laughs> or just tell you no like oh we yeah, don't just have tell you no. Right like it's, yeah because it might be that it's broken down and it's going through the wash and like we always, there was always like a gamble at the end of the night. You're like, all right, we've got an hour left. Should I break down the saw or is someone going to come in and you take the gamble? And anytime you take the gamble, someone comes in and is like, I want a rack. But that's, you know, that's a share. Yeah. That's not all on the customer. I kind of can't believe we haven't seen butcher memes about this because I've seen the restaurant ones where it's like the customer comes in four minutes before closing. There like actually is um, an account. I run that's called butcher memes oh. um, <laughs> and it's yes. run by a bunch of butchers i don't know who actually but some of the stuff is like just dead on spot on <laughs> gets yes. me like triggered <laughs> okay but if you can't come in on an off time what about like phone orders mm -hmm. like how does that and especially like in a busy season is that helpful to you that's and the super customer? helpful yeah yeah i would say in general if you're putting in a large or like really complicated order calling in advance is so helpful because it allows us to sort of pack it away during our off hours. I know some people don't want to do that because they want to like see the things before they're cut, which I totally understand. But it also makes it easier if we, if we don't have it and your whole thing is hinging on that one cut. It makes it easier than you coming in and us saying like, we don't have it, and you being disappointed. So I would always actually recommend calling in advance to ask. Yeah. And then that's relationship building. If you, <laughs> if you know a customer and what they're looking for, then you're probably going to help select the best looking or, totally. you know, the right size for their family of yep. what they're pre-ordering anyways. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. I want to get down to like, to very brass brass <laughs> this is my that's job where here. I, I know, but also I was ready. I was like, let's talk meat. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, we have to talk about meat. And I think like a, an overarching theme, just like for food in 2022 is budget. Like so many people are seeing the cost of groceries rise. So just can you talk us through like the most affordable cuts of beef, pork and lamb mm -hmm. and maybe some tips to cook those, those pieces if they're something that like we're maybe not as 
familiar or educated with? Yeah, sure. I would say the easiest way to think about all of it, meat in general, is to think about an animal and the way the the animal's body moves because it tells you which cuts are going to be the most tender and which are going to be the toughest because of how the animal's body is moving throughout its life. Um, And the tougher cuts are always going to be less expensive. So that generally means you're looking at like the neck, the shoulder, and then the leg are going to be where like sort of the tougher cuts are coming from. And then that's that's what they use. You know, you think about their neck, they're moving their neck up and down their whole life to eat their legs. They're moving. Um, So what that means is that they're going to be tougher because they're going to be more muscular, but they're also going to be a lot more flavorful because there's a lot more blood flow going to those areas. Um, So then you think about the middle of an animal and that's where the tenderloin is, which is so tender because it's not moving at all. It's just Mm -hmm. kind of sitting on the back, but it doesn't really have that much taste. So really the, the sacrifice for flavor is always tenderness and vice versa. I, in general, would say I like the cuts from the shoulder and the leg better anyway. Um, those are going to be the less expensive cuts, but the way that you're going to want to approach them is generally braising or anything that's a longer and lower temperature because all of those muscles are working hard. They have a lot of connective tissue and you really need to give them time uh, and moisture in order to break down. Um, so that really means that, I mean, you could go to your butcher and say, do you have any shoulder cuts? Do you have any leg cuts? Um, but in general, I would say like the neck is always a great cut for braising. So lamb neck is incredible for like curries Yum. and stews. And then from the shoulder, obviously as animals get bigger, it's not that they have more cuts in the shoulder. It's just that they're, those cuts are big enough to actually yeah. separate out. So with lamb, you're generally it's small enough that you generally just buy the whole shoulder and braise that, keep it bone in. That makes a great braise. And then with pork too, like the shoulder is, that's classic barbecue pulled pork. Um, And then for beef, there's a bunch of different cuts that are going to come out of the shoulder. The Denver steak is a great grilling cut or just like quick quick pan cook cut from the shoulder. Um, Sort of like an extension of the short rib muscle. And it has great marbling. It's not like tender, 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 but it has like a nice toothsomeness. And then um, I would say Delmonico too is basically like it's the same muscle as the ribeye, but as it goes up into the shoulder and it is much cheaper than a ribeye. And I would say like equally delicious. And then for the leg shank again is going to be incredible. It has the marrow bone from the femur. Mm delicious adds a lot of depth to like your stews and and stocks and stuff like that so yeah ask for leg and shoulder uh if you're looking for cheaper cuts and they should be able to give you something that's a little less expensive you're just going to take a little bit more work but it's going to be worth it we're into that i want to while we're here and we're talking about the denver steak uh Mm -hmm. let stacy ask and you guys talk through your feelings about flank steak (laughs) i mean i don't know it's like there's i don't even know that there's a question i just i think it's overrated i would always just rather have a skirt steak and i know they're slightly different but i don't know talk about it because a lot of times flank steak is recommended and i'm like "Mm." 
Yeah, people, it used to be like one of those things that felt like a butcher's cut. Like everyone's like, oh, that'll be less expensive, more affordable. Mm -hmm. And like, Mm -hmm. it's just not that anymore. It's so popular. It's, it's so, and that happens with everything. So like even skirt steak used to be kind of a butcher's cut. Yeah. Um, Hanger steak used to be a butcher's cut because there's only one of it per animal. But skirt and flank are really, the, the reason that they're people sort of, recommend them interchangeably is that they really are from the same area and they do have the same like muscle striation like yeah very long yeah kind of chewy muscle striation but I would agree with you that they're not I I don't find the experience of eating them that similar yeah I think that they it's an easy swap because they take like marinades the same way and they're sort of hot and quick but a skirt steak is going to be much thinner and it has a lot. I think it generally has better fat content on it. Um, yes. The flank can be really lean, and because the skirt is thinner, it has like less moisture in it, so it's like a less watered down flavor. It's a lot yeah. like, beefier. So I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I I think the most important thing with both of those cuts or any cut that sort of has long like long muscles um, is just to make sure you're slicing them yes. the correct way after you yes. cook them. Um, and that's like sort of in the opposition to what your brain would think. You want to like slice across the muscle instead of slicing along with it. Yes. And it's the worst when you slice with it. Horrible. You think that looks pretty or it like seems intuitively right. And yeah. it's just like stri- you could be chewing forever. Yeah. You have to interrupt that muscle or yeah it's yeah it's gonna be very chewy there is something about the fat content and the thinness Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. works like even if it doesn't like cook perfectly you're gonna get some crisp on a skirt steak and i don't know crisp too is key Mm, because i do feel like flank does have more like moisture content to it so it sort of does have a tendency to kind of like steam while you're trying to get um that hard char on it so i'm not I'm not totally not with what you're saying. I get it. Thank you. Thank you for (laughs) indulging. Thank you for indulging my little rant. (laughs) Hey guys, let's hit the pause button for one second to hear from one of this week's sponsors. Last year, both Stacey and I discovered Nutrafol, a supplement that supports healthy hair growth by targeting the five root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism. We've been so thrilled with the results that in 2022, we want to make sure every woman knows about Nutrafol, because as it turns out, 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. Nutrafol offers two targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through seasons when hair loss and thinning are normal, like postpartum and premenopausal, and all the times in between. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months, and more than 1,500 doctors recommended Nutrafol as an effective and high-quality solution for healthier hair. Most importantly, Nutrafol is 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective dosages, so you get the most reliable results. And major bonus, you may also notice improvements to your overall well-being, including more restful sleep, less stress, and my favorite, better skin and nails. No matter your stage in life or whether you're experiencing thinning hair caused by stress, hormonal changes, overstyling, or some other reason, there's a Nutrafol product for you. Take their hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com for personalized product recommendations. 
Grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code D-I-J-F-Y to save $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere and it is only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus get free shipping on every order. That's $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com. Promo code D-I-J-F-Y. Okay, so we talked about the most affordable, but I also want to talk about the best splurge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, I would say always for me, it's a bone-in ribeye. It's my favorite. I'm so hungry. (laughs) (laughs) It's my favorite cut. It it kind of has everything, though, because it has really wonderful marbling, it's tender, but it also has the flavor of like a tougher cut because it is from that same muscle that extends from the shoulder. Um, so I like a ribeye that is closer to the shoulder end. I don't know if that's necessarily something you want to demand from your butcher, but if you could say like, I want the decal on it, the decal's like my favorite thing. It's basically an extension of the brisket that wraps around the uh, ribeye and you can see it sometimes on like a really big ribeye and it kind of like peels right off the top. Um, So if you say like a bone-in deckel on ribeye, that to me is like, that's the best cut. I like it cooked more than, I don't want my ribeye rare. There's too much connective tissue and fat. You want the fat to have time to render out. I think it should be like pulled at 130 and rested to 135. That is my ideal. Yeah. And just like in a pan, butter. Really, really hot, hot cast iron pan. I'll take a I'll take a hot cast iron pan over a grill really for any meat because I want to hold like sometimes I'll cook my steak outside on a grill in a cast yes, iron because I want to hold all the fat. Hard agree. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like we might be hurting Megan's feelings. She loves <laughs> to grill. No, not at all. Okay. I just yeah. worked with the grill dads on their cookbook that oh. is coming out in 2022. And they do a lot of like they do a lot of both. Like they'll yeah reverse sear like cook to temperature on the grill like on the smoker but then put it in like a maiden carbon steel pan to get that like super delicious crust on it yeah no my brain was turning because samantha our wonderful editor actually asked this question of like i want to have a steakhouse steak at home like what are the secrets and i love so i love that you mentioned the ribeye mm-hmm. and like cooking with butter but isn't there also the se- like seasoning i feel like people yes. do not understand how much salt they really need yes. in general to make food taste like restaurant food but specifically for steak and other meat yeah, yeah. i i would say that is 100% true it people get like even my family will get scared when they see me seasoning a steak. Yes. But I would say another trick is just that you ha- really have to season it in advance. Yeah. Or there's like this weird window where it's like, if you can't season it two hours before, I would say season it just right before instead. Like if you season it 20 minutes before, what's going to happen is the salt is going to leach a bunch of liquid out and it's not going to have time to pull it back in um, and like dry out on the top. So you're just going to be left with like this really watery, top and it's not going to get a good sear. So I generally season overnight actually, and I leave it open in the fridge so that it kind of dries out. You're looking for it to be as dry as possible to get that really hard sear on it. But if you can't do it at least two hours in advance, I would say salt it immediately before and just get it as dry as you can. And another thing is 
oil, like if you're going to cook, I, I generally start the sear in oil just because butter will burn when you're getting it that hot. So, and you don't really want to use an olive oil. You want to use something with a higher smoke point. So grapeseed oil, canola oil, vegetable oil, anything that's neutral, actually like filtered coconut oil um, that doesn't have coconut flavor mm-hmm. is fantastic for cooking a steak. Um, and then you add butter at the end and kind of baste it because it's really just for flavor. It's it's not gonna it's not gonna hold up to the heat. It's gonna burn pretty quickly. Yeah, those milk solids, right? They're gonna. Yeah. The and I just want to say about the salting that I think maybe people have heard of that when it comes to red meat, but also chickens. Yes, a hundred percent. You like, want to dry that skin out. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Salt it and don't be afraid to just leave it. I don't know because people have this fear of chicken. I think yeah. this like salmonella. I it's, know. And it's like a really big thing for people. It's people such get nervous. a huge thing. And it's weird because it's sort of drilled into my head too, but I don't know. Like I know also pork, like yes. for a long time, if the whole thing was like, you have to cook pork all yeah. the way through, it can't even be a little bit pink. And it was because of trichinosis. But like, I don't think that there's been a case of trichinosis in the US since like the 1960s. We've basically bred yeah. it out of pork. So yeah, I think there are certain things that we kind of get in our heads about food safety that are outdated. I don't really know. I can, I'm not an expert on salmonella, but yes. it's never happened to me and I'm not the most careful. <laughs> yes. I mean, you definitely like salt it, leave it overnight, yeah. uncovered, like mm-hmm. everything will be fine. Keep it on a rimmed tray and yep. it'll be okay. Yes. Yes. And don't wash it in the sink before. No, please don't. Don't don't add more moisture to it. Anything that you think you're washing off will cook off anyway, like bacteria wise. And you're just going to get like salmonella juice all over your Everywhere. I know. It's like you're actually just spreading it. (laughs) I remember there was an episode of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills where Lisa Vanderpump is teaching one of the women to cook. I remember that. She's like, yeah, she's like, watch the chicken. She turns around and she's watching it with dish soap. Yes. I totally remember that. <laughs> it like stuck with me forever anyway. Sorry. <laughs> no, we love it. I also just want to add that like as recipe writers, which we all are here, uh, when we are asking you to pat something dry with paper towels, it's not like to be annoying or to yeah. be wasteful. It's like truly to give you the best sear the best eating experience that you can have jumping off talking about salt i would love to know how you feel about marinades and brining because that Mm -hmm. can be controversial for some people Mm -hmm. and like what are your favorite little ways to season things yeah yeah i mean i would say in general i lean much more heavily towards dry brining um which is really just salting in advance or seasoning in advance I don't love a wet brine because it adds a ton of moisture and it makes your meat steam. Um, I know that there are advantages in terms of like acid breaking it down a little. I think often that goes too far and almost like denatures the muscle and makes it kind of mushy. So in general, I prefer a dry rub and then like sort of dry brine it overnight. And then instead of marinating it, just use that as a sauce, like at the ends, like once it's already caramelized, like throw that on top of it, brush it on top, throw it in the pan. That would be my personal. I hardcore agree. I think dry or wet brining is like so annoying to do, especially when people are like, do it for your turkey. I'm like, my fridge is already fully packed out. You want me to like put a bucket of ice and turkey? Like it's not happening. Yeah. Well, and the thing is too, is like you're adding so much liquid to, which is, 
sort of counterintuitive, but when you're dry brining, what's happening is like the salt is going into the muscle and then it's pulling the moisture out and then it's pulling that moisture back inside. So you'll see like, you know, the first 45 minutes, you'll see like it beating on the top and then you come back an hour later and that's all reabsorbed. So instead of adding water to season your meat, you're adding its own like flavorful juices, which just makes a lot more sense to me. I wrote a whole book on chicken and actually was like, I feel obligated to talk about (laughs) wet brines because y'all want to do that with poultry. And like, here's the basics. And I really hope you don't actually follow these directions. You just do this instead. I know yes. I had to do a video for um, munchies once about like brining a pork chop and I had to show both ways. And I was like, but, like, yeah. I, and, 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 I didn't come and, <laughs> and it didn't come this. through in editing that it was like, don't do the wet one, but like, it's fine. Some people like that anyway. Just let them, let them do their thing. Yes. Susie, I was getting so ready to plug winter, winter chicken dinner because every time we talk about marinades, I think about growing up with my mom who was like always into some weird diet, but like we lived with like chicken breasts in Italian dressing, like the wishbone, the wishbone (laughs) in like the drawer, the meat drawer of the refrigerator for so long. And the (laughs) the texture of it is like ingrained in my brain of like what the acid does as it denatures the chicken and i know yeah. you talk about this with marinades I and do. dinner i do yeah i think okay. add the acid at the end please yes. Yes. Just, yeah whatever marinade you love turn it into a sauce because yep. that's going to give you the most bang for your back and then you don't throw it or away like you didn't or whatever yes yes yes, yes. 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 okay let's like jump to from flavoring meat to thinking about meat as flavor. I think this is a question that comes up a lot for our listeners too. Like they want to eat less meat. They want to spend on, spend their money on higher quality, but maybe they have like a person in their house who really identifies as a carnivore. And I think this is something that Seymour Sausage does beautifully, like the balance between veggies and meat. So like, do you have some tips or tricks for how to sort of use meat as a a garnish or even like a side to a veggie centered plate? Yeah. I mean, that's generally how I think about meat. Um, And it's not how I grew up thinking about meat. The way that I grew up thinking about meat was that it's very much the main event. It's the center of the plate. Everything else is sort of, you know, insignificant. Um, And I really had to change my thinking there because I mean, once you see the process from start to finish, like farm to slaughterhouse, all of that, of course, that like changes your mind about how much meat you want to eat. But if you're buying really high quality meat, it has a ton of flavor um, that can stretch really far to a lot of different things. So it helped me a lot to just change my thinking about meat as like a flavor booster and not the whole show. So um, we don't eat I don't eat a ton of meat at home anymore, but like my fiance is cooking beans right now and like we'll cook them with chicken bones that are roasted yeah. and in my freezer. Um, so I, I think, yeah, just changing your thinking about what is the center of the plate and using meat as like more of a, a little a special treat, a little booster. Um, the fat, every, everything from it can help. The fat from it can help. Even like if you're deboning a bird and you have a bunch of connective tissue, like roast it and throw it in your stock and just skim it out at the end. Yeah, just kind of like reframe your mind and use it to add flavor. I'm so glad you mentioned the bones and the connective tissue and the skin because 
I think that's so important too. It doesn't always have to be like a hunk of meat or mm-hmm. like bacon or that's what people kind of go to when they think of flavoring. Yeah. And that's really one of the benefits of going to a whole animal butcher yeah. and bones. being able to, yes, like you get bones, you get all that other good stuff. Yeah. And I just want to reiterate, cause we had, I feel like you covered it. So we're not like posing it as its own separate question, but there were a couple of people who asked us to ask you about knife skills. And I think that people have to kind of lower their expectation. Like if you're really, and you should correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're really interested in like buying a whole chicken and learning how to break it down, the first 15 chickens, because you're not going to do what I've done or what you've done and do Mm -hmm. like one after the other, after the other, after Mm -hmm. the other in a day. It's going to take a while to get used to it. Like that's okay, especially totally. if you're going to save all the little scraps and not throw them away mm-hmm. and put them in a freezer bag or roast them and save yep. them. Exactly. Like if you're breaking down a chicken, you're not that skilled yet. You're probably going to leave some, you're going to cut into the chicken breast and leave some of it on the bone. If you're not throwing those bones away, if you put them in your freezer, that's not going to go to waste. Yes. You put it in your soup stock and then you get little nice shreds of chicken in there like when I make matzo ball soup or like even like a beef and barley soup there's not any meat in it it's really just using the bones and whatever comes off what's left on the bones and it's just as flavorful as like a soup with I more flavorful if you think about the chicken that's in chicken soup that's not the thing that makes it flavorful. It's no. the broth and the totally. vegetables. Um, and I think with Seymour, we really, one of the ways that I like to think about it's just like we cook with meat and vegetables all the time. It's a natural thing that we do. They comprise most of the dishes that we know and are comforted by. So it's not that radical. Like I think with a lot of blended products, it's like, I'm just like throwing some quinoa and kale in here just like randomly to get you to eat less meat. But this is more about like boosting flavor and giving you really comforting flavors that you recognize. It's not, it's not a wildly new thing to cook with meat and vegetables together. Yeah. One question that bubbles up and then we're going to challenge you to pick your favorite of all your Seymour children. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) If someone is interested in being a better home butcher, what are like one or two products that they need? Like, is it a boning knife? Is it a special cutting board? What's the thing? Yeah, I would say, if you're talking about cutting meat specifically, yes, get yes. a boning knife. Um, I, I really like the sort of flexible curved ones from, I tend to really like Victorinox a lot. I just think they hold an edge a long time and they're a good price point. But obviously get a chef's knife too, not for meat, but just like in general. Like when I go to my parents' kitchen, they literally don't have a chef's knife and they're like cutting herbs with like a like saber. And it's just like, get <laughs> Like the, only, like the two knives you need in your kitchen really are just like a good, like eight inch chef's knife and a boning knife. Yeah. Yes. That's it. And to keep them sharp. Yes. Keep them very sharp. Yes. Keep them sharp. I know Megan said we're going to move on, but I always do this. We, mm-hmm. we have our rules that we play. I yes. also want to talk very quickly about ingredients, plant-based ingredients that you think are really good go-tos for like stretching meat or blending with meat. I know you do this at Seymour. But like I, what comes to mind for me is lentils for stretching mm-hmm. ground beef, right? Mm-hmm. If I want to make a chili or pretty much even a pasta sauce. Yeah. Um, lentils, barley, um, any sort of like sturdy grains. Obviously, mushrooms are 
yes. very popular. They're sort of like the original thing that people replace meat with um, because they have a lot of natural MSG in them and they have a meaty flavor and texture. I would say sturdy grains like that are great. I personally don't enjoy blending traditional meat with like tofu or plant-based proteins. I just don't like the sort of differentiation in texture and flavor. People do. Some people like to sort of grind tofu in with their meat. Um, but yeah, I would say in general, I just like to lean more heavily on vegetables, like a sturdy vegetable, cabbages, potatoes, sweet potatoes, because um, you know that there's going to be a differentiation in texture, but you're not expecting it, the sweet potato to feel like the meat. Yes, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now we'll talk. Yeah. You. Sometimes we play this game called Kiss Mary Kill. We <laughs> make you do it with your product, but we're not going to do it today. Uh, but for anyone who maybe hasn't tried Seymour's sausages, what are your like top three? Okay. My top number one is our chicken chili verde, which we just launched and it's based on a green chorizo. Um, it is has seeded three different seed in green chilies. It's got poblanos, jalapenos, serranos, fresh cilantro, a lot of garlic, like lime zest, coriander, cumin. It's so good. It's spicy. It's bright. That is my favorite child right now. My favorite child right now. I'm glad you said yeah. that. We do <laughs> you know, that. They do change. Yeah. Like, Today, I like this one. Tomorrow, yeah. yes. Um, my favorite originally was the broccoli melt. Um, which is sort of based on a Philly roast pork. It's got broccolini and pepperoncini and jack cheese. I will say, surprisingly, pepperoncinis are extremely difficult to source without any like unnatural preservatives, which we don't use any of that stuff. So, oh my gosh, who knew? It's there's literally one supplier like in the world, and there's only one growing season. And so we've switched to banana peppers and I, I feel mm. like it's lost a bit of its magic. So that would be my kill if we were playing the game, honestly, right now. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> then my, my other I favorite... love your willingness. Yeah. You don't have to do it. You're like, no, let's do it. Let's go. Um, I would say also the beat. I really love the beat. Um, and the beat does not get enough love. It's called La Dolce Vita. It's basically our sweet Italian but with beets instead of sugar and like people have very strong opinions on beets. They either hate them or they love them. But you like genuinely don't even have to like beets to like this sausage. It's very mild. It's got toasted fennel and garlic and great pork and then fresh beets. And it's like, it's, it's so good. It's, it's also very pretty. It's, it's really beautiful. pretty. I yeah. have some in my fridge right now. And I will say the broccoli melt is also one of my favorites. It's, it's a real, it's a real good one. It, it's, yeah. yeah. And like it, the kids love it. The okay. um, chicken chili verde was like too spicy, too spicy. for my kids. But yeah, yeah. if you were to throw it into it, like turn it into chili yeah. like with some white beans yep. and veggies and stuff, then it's like a perfect. Yeah. Yeah. We're like redoing the label to make sure that the spicy is like more prominent on the mm -hmm. front because it does say spicy chilies, but I think like also chili verde, like that is spicy. It's you'd yes. be surprised. Like we get emails like this is so spicy, and it's like it literally <laughs> says it on the front. But, <laughs> but like, okay, um, no. But I would say the, the, those three are my top three. Even though I kind of talked crap about broccoli, yeah. <laughs> my fifteen-year-old really likes the the chili verde one. Oh, good. I love. He that. really likes yeah. spicy food in general, and he likes it. And my little one, my eleven-year-old, or oh, he's twelve now. Bad. He likes the chicken parm, yeah. Sausage. I mean, yeah. that's a I, so there are some of them that like I had to taste so many times in the process that like 
I need a break from them. And I would yes. say chicken parm, <laughs> chicken parm and chicken soup. I'm just like, yeah. I am a, was obsessed with them for like a year, could not stop eating them. And then was like, I'm going to take a little rest. Um, <laughs> but they're very good. And those are two of our chicken parm is one of our most popular. So we feel yeah. that way about our children too. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I've hung out with them a lot. I'm like, I, still I need, need a, rest. a break. <laughs> At least a year break. Yeah. <laughs> Cara, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. It was really great being here. It was really fun. Okay, Billis, the one thing we did not get to, well, we did get to, but we're saving it for later. (laughs) (laughs) You lie. You're lying to our listeners. Is talking about faux meats, fake lab grown Is that what they're called, faux meats? Every time you say it, that's what What you call it. What do you want to call it? Faux to me is a fashion word. (laughs) And so it's funny. I'm like, faux fur, faux pas. So I don't know. It's, That's really it interesting. Is me. Recently, I bought a fake leather jacket, mm-hmm. and like you know, so now everyone, leather. everyone's like, "Oh, it's vegan leather." Yeah, That's yeah. the thing to call it. That's yeah. more like cool yeah. and hip. And I'm like, but it's not vegan is it, fur. It's is called it the pleather? No, pleather. Pleather of my <laughs> leather is like. <laughs> Pleather is what our moms wore. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm, I'm like. It, what is the difference between pleather and vegan leather and nothing. fake leather? Girl, nothing. It's nothing. All, it's all a name. It's so all faux. to the faux point, meats. we can call it vegan beef. We can call it faux meat. We can call it whatever you want. Yeah, to what call do people it. call it though? Do they? Is it plant based? Yes, meat? I think that's the that's the thing now. Correct term for okay. it. Okay. Anyway, plant based meats. Because that did come up as a request in our listeners community, some coverage on that. I got to do a plant-based meat package many years ago from with Kitchen. And so I've like t- tried a bunch and I have strong feelings. And I know you have strong feelings. Cara had strong feelings. So that is coming up. I don't want you to think that we didn't, that we're not going to talk about that or not cover that, but we didn't get to it today. We didn't, but we did get to a lot of really great, interesting stuff. Is there anything that Kara said that was like your favorite thing? Um, weirdly, and I probably should have told Kara this, I want there to be like Seymour seasonings. Like I yes. want to be able to buy chicken and like have it taste like Bubba's chicken soup sausage. I bet you could figure it out. Maybe that should be a Seymour didn't I just feed you collab. collab. <laughs> We want to what make would, everything taste like Seymour sausage. What would our so- what would your sausage be? That's a great if there was question. A Stacey, Stacey sausage. Oh my gosh, I have to think about it for a second. Do you know what yours would be? Is it ranch? I mean, the very obvious answer is, is ranch. ranch. <laughs> but Mine I don't know if that's what be. I actually want it to be and what I actually want to eat. I mean, TBH. Mine would be chicken parm too i mean it's chicken parm is one of my favorite dishes it's i think of it as a very new jersey thing but of course it's not it's like a italian american thing yes but there's like i grew up eating a very specific kind of chicken parmesan at least once a week it's like one of my favorites yeah but also like something that comes to mind i know people expect me to say something greek but i feel like that's been done and this also has been done. I've seen it before, but not Seymour. Like a banh mi. Mm. I love Vietnamese food. And I love like the flavors of banh mi that I would love to see. And maybe like a chicken sausage. 
Yeah. So interesting. Before you said chicken parm, I was like, oh, the billis should be like a chicken cutlet with like parmesan yeah. and arugula well, there, yes. and lots of lemon. Yeah. That's kind of like a hybrid between the yeah, chicken parm and is. the Greek like thing. The or the, yeah, together. it's all the things. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I don't know. Forever in my mind, you're a chicken cutlet. <laughs> I I freaking love a chicken with a cutlet. a little bright salad on top of it. Dude, I could eat that all day. Yeah. So Maybe good. mine is a cheeseburger sausage. That makes sense to me too. I could totally yeah. see a cheeseburger sausage. Like ranch, what else would it be? Just like ranch? Well, I think if you do ranch, then you really lean into the like ranches for veggies. So like it has carrots, it has tomatoes, it has like some cabbage in it, something like to give that sort of like a salad plus chicken. Mm. I also really love a fried chicken salad. It's like one of my most favorite things that I will eat if it's on the menu somewhere. So with ranch, like obviously. Like so yummy, like toasted breadcrumbs in yeah, there. Yeah, toasted breadcrumbs, like some, some like cheddar crunch. cheese. Yeah. Maybe like there's a pickly red onion in there. <laughs> we're obviously hungry. I feel like we're just talking about what we feel like eating right now. Yes. You know where we can turn it into a sausage. What we want to eat. Oh, I want to hear what our listeners, what their sausage would be. That is such good. That is such a good question. It's really fun. It might be my new party question. <laughs> sausage, <laughs> what sausage would you be? So our friends in our Didn't I Just Feed You listeners community will get to tell us directly. We hope that you have joined us there. If not, join for free at didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community. Or if you want bonus episodes and other goodies, join our supporting community. You can also keep in touch with us on Instagram. We are at Didn't I Just Feed You? Or you can always sign up for our newsletter. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You? Wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you're already a subscriber, we have a big favor to ask. Share this episode with a friend who might enjoy it. A huge thank you to our editor, Samantha Gatsik. I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. Stay sane and well-fed. Until next week. Be sure to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you're listening. And don't forget to rate and review. 